Guys, grab your Bibles and open them up to uh, Psalm 104. And while you're doing that, I need to make a rather lengthy announcement. Uh, Lengthy, at least it's intricate. Um, Folks, our missions conference that will take place at the last weekend of this month, I hope that you will plan to be here the whole weekend. The guy that's going to speak on the 30th, his name is Ligon Duncan, and he's a dude. He is, um, he is so connected around the Christian church all over the world. He is um, a guy with whom I go way back, and um, I, I hope you won't miss that morning. But, guys, it's all about pastoral training, and indeed, as Kim said, we consider that really urgent um, in terms of our contribution to the, the world missions. On the Saturday morning before the Sunday, which will be the 29th of September, I'm going to do a GG course. Um, let me tell you about it. If you don't realize it, then you need to uh, get off those things you've been smoking. Um, we are in a culture war very much more severe than any time that I know of. I, I would say that maybe pre-war Germany was, uh, was worse. But we are in the midst of a culture war. And um, one of the huger issues in that culture war has to do with the LGBTQ um, issue. Uh, there is a, another spokesman who is not a Christian. Do not ask him to be. He's not a, his name is um, Jordan Peterson. And if there's two things that I would ask you to Google this afternoon, Google Jordan Peterson and this, Revoice. One word, Revoice. As you know, I'm a member of the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America. This church is an independent church, but I'm a member of the PCA, and unfortunately, my denomination has uh, included something that is very much, it is so, it is about to blow the, my denomination up, and it's this revoice thing, so if you, if you Google it, you better be really ready to read some this afternoon, you can read the rest of the afternoon about revoice, but also, uh, look at this Jordan Peterson guy. He has one YouTube that has been looked at over 10 million times. Now, all of that to say this, I have put together a little course uh, for the Saturday morning, a GG course, and I'm really not sure what to entitle it. What I've entitled it uh, thus far is Jordan uh, Jordan Peterson's Contribution to Pastoral Training. And there'll be some of that. But let me give you a quote. Are you ready? This is from a woman whose name is Phyllis Tickle. You may not know her. She died, I think, in 2015, but she was on the front page of the Commercial Appeal several years back as the spokesman in our city for a conference called the Emerging Church. Phyllis Tickle said this, Sola Scriptura, as a plausible basis for authority, is dead. And the stake in its heart is the gay issue. Now, folks, if you don't know what sola scriptura is, scripture alone, which is very dear to me and so many others in this church, a a whole reformational principle, scripture alone, we're being told that it's dead. And the stake that has been driven into its heart is the gay issue. So I'm going to address it. 
I don't know how deeply and uh, academically it will, and we only have two hours. But I would encourage you to be a part of that. Um, we're going to talk about that, that issue, uh, you know, primarily, but other things as well. So, the weekend of the Missions Conference. Don't miss Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then the Taste of Grace, of course, which everyone enjoys, is the, is the church-wide picnic in the back. Um, that's that Sunday night on the 30th. I hope you'll be at all of that. It's, um, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to having Lincoln Duncan here. Uh, it's a voice that you have not heard. He is so much more uh, in tune with the culture wars than, than I am, and I, I hope you'll come and um, be a part. Now, let me read you my text this morning, uh, at least most of it, uh, comes from Psalm 104, uh, two verses, uh, verses 14 and 15, and they read like this. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, Psalm 104 opens and closes with the statement, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then it goes on from there to give us a list of reasons um, that would prompt us in, a, in a, a way that we would glorify God and bless him and primarily the the reasons that are being given here uh, are references to the created order that uh, that god provides in so many ways as you see there um, mentioned in verses 14 to 15 but you'll notice that one of the ways that he provides we're told specifically is that he um, provides for the earth that it might bring forth um, a wine to gladden your heart. Now, guys, my emphasis has nothing to do with wine and you drinking it or not drinking it. The thing that I would draw your attention to is that God has given thought to ways that he might gladden your heart how many of you think of god that way that he is uh, has taken steps to make provision so that your heart might be gladdened now guys i don't know whether you notice my title of, of the sermon it's a little bit provocative um <laughs> the god of wine and and if if you are a part of those who are alarmed at such a thing um, and object to that usage, I have no defense, except, of course, my text. Um, surely you know that God never intended the wine that he provided to be used in such a way that it would, imp uh, it would produce an excess consumption, uh, a drunkenness or, uh, or alcoholism. It, it is we who have abused so many of God's gifts, uh, like wine and food. It's called 
gluttony. Um, but if, in case you're struggling with the whole idea, uh, perhaps this will help. It was um, the first miracle that Jesus ever performed was performed by turning water into wine at a wedding ceremony to gladden the whole occasion. Again, the emphasis has nothing to do with the wine, at least not my emphasis. My emphasis is simply that he takes steps to gladden us. Now, that's really not my text. I'm just trying to trick you. Um, my text is really found in Isaiah 25. And it's only three verses, um, but if you can find Isaiah 25 real fast, I'd like to read you those three verses. Actually, four verses. This is in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. They read like this. And, and I hope you'll notice quickly the, the um, similarities or the connection between these two, uh, two, two passages. Notice, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over the peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken it will be said on that day behold this is our God we have waited for him that he might save us this is the Lord we have waited for him let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Guys, if you can, just for the moment, set aside all of that nonsense about temperance, um, what I want you to do with me is squeeze this text, this Isaiah text, not so that we can get crossways about alcohol, but so that we can see the gospel in its beauty. And it's really not that hard to do in this Isaiah passage. First of all, did you notice the, the emphasis on, um, on this mountain? On this mountain, it's found in verse 6, it's found in verse 7, and it's found in verse 10, which I didn't read. But the reference to this mountain, what mountain? Well, guys, it's pretty clear from verses 1 through 5, if you want to go read those later on. The, the prophet Isaiah is celebrating what God has done to destroy Jerusalem. It's found in verse 2 that God is destroying Jerusalem, and then three verses later, Isaiah says, on this mountain. Now, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know that Jerusalem is set on a mountain. Uh, in fact, it, 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 when you're reading your Bibles, and you, it, the, the statements are always, we're going to go up to Jerusalem, even if you're coming from the north. We're going to go up to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's on a mountain. And, and so Isaiah says, on this mountain... 
of Jerusalem, several things are going to happen. That God someday, way off in the future, is going to do something that will do. Look at verse 8. First of all, what he's going to do on this mountain, <coughs> pardon me, is going to swallow up death. Secondly, it's going to wipe away tears. And then look at verse 9. We have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord we have waited for. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Now what on earth is God going to do on that mountain to bring all this to pass? And one other thing I want you to notice. Did you see back in verses 6 and 7 and 8 that God frequently likens this work that he's going to do he likens it unto a great feast of rich food and well-aged wine in the mind of god the salvation that he offers is is similar in some ways to a grand and glorious feast where people are engaged in in celebration you notice in verse 9 it talks about being glad and rejoicing folks god is very fond of describing the gospel using the images of a feast the wedding feast of the lamb the marriage feast of the king in fact even in the most famous parable of them all the prodigal son the beauty of that parable, at least some of it, is associated at the end with a fattened calf being killed and all the neighbors being invited and a party being thrown where there is music and dancing and celebration. And then there's another supper. This one. The Lord's Supper. You see, ladies and gentlemen, having been set free from our bondage to sin, we can now enjoy gladness, rejoicing, laughter, You know, G.K. Chesterton said once, and I, I think I'm getting this right, but it's close. He said, it is the man who is unsure of his God that cannot laugh in his presence. It is a man who is unsure about his God that cannot laugh in his presence. Death has been swallowed up. Tears have been removed from all the faces. And what did God do to produce that on that mountain? This. On that mountain. 
chapters where the body of Christ was broken and his blood was shed. And in response to that finished work, a celebration has broken out where the souls of his people are made glad. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I'm inviting you to a sacrament a sacrament which depicts the event that took place on that mountain that has made us glad. Come celebrate with me. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will remind your people that the finished work of Jesus Christ is something about which we can celebrate like no other man on the face of the planet can celebrate. Because death has been swallowed up for us. Tears have been removed. Sin has been paid for. The bondage is over. And freedom we now have. So Father, as your people come to this table, remind them that you have taken steps to make us glad. And the primary step that you took had to do with the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Meet us here and make your people glad. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.